All is not lost. And the verse, my foundation verse, is 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which will give us some encouragement and somewhere to go. So let's read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what is vain is something that is empty, that is worthless, that is an, an exercise in futility if it's vain. So much that goes on today in our world is empty. It is designed of the world. It is after the wisdom of man. It is an effort by man to deny the existence of Almighty God. And it's very easy for us to become discouraged as we look at what's going on about us and we say, what? Where can I? What? And we have this verse. Beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Don't worry. The solid rock that is our foundation has not changed. As we always abound in the work of the Lord, we are assured we have a promise. You know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When I'm troubled by things, it helps to go do something. You know, it's very, it's very prominent in our world today when there's a problem. People will say, well, we have to do something. And it doesn't matter what is done. It seems like if we just do something, it's better, you know. Let's just do it. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a, a goal, something to accomplish. If I'm troubled by something, I can go get lost in a chore, Things don't seem so bad. And that's what we're being encouraged to do here. Abounding in the work of As we, all the crazy stuff going on about us, if we concentrate, abounding in the work of the Lord, we're ahead of the game. And we can be steadfast. We can be unmovable. Because who are we? as a believer in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are we? We are Christ in this world. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's not our efforts that are going to be not in vain. It's in the work of the Lord that our labor is not in vain. It's not something that we make up. We who are members of this church, which is his body, and I don't mean this local assembly, I mean this overall church, the, all the people all over the world who believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all sin, he was buried and he rose again. People, those are the members of the church, which is his body. We have a promise of God. And our promise one of these promises is this one. 
where if we abound in the work of the Lord, we have a promise that your labor is not in vain. How often have you witnessed to someone and told them the truth of the gospel? And, you know, when we first start doing that, it's exciting, it's scary, and we expect great things to happen. I have this truth for you. Listen to it. And they sometimes don't respond in the way we would like the response to be. It's very easy to become discouraged, but we have a promise that our labor is not in vain. We may not see the result, but God promises that our labor is not in vain. So, regardless of our perception of what has happened, witness to people, the promise of God is our labor is not in vain. Our labor in proclaiming this matchless gospel of the grace of God, it's not an empty, it's not a meaningless endeavor. Almighty God is faithful and he assures us that we are eternally secure in Christ. Should we not have joy as we tell others of that assurance that we have? based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, God Almighty, continues to save that which is lost. Our privilege is to proclaim that saving gospel with all. Are we responsible to decide who is going to hear from us this matchless grace? It's very tempting. It happens that we don't share as often as we should, yes? And it's, it's a terrible thing for us to decide which ones are going to hear from us this matchless grace of Almighty God. So our situation, and I say our, when I say our, I mean we who believe and put our faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are members of this church, which is his body. Our situation, all is not lost, even when it seems like a situation is hopeless. We can depend on the promise of God to keep us eternally and to keep us through whatever situation we find ourselves in. It is becoming increasingly difficult in these days to be happy, right? As we see things around us that are contrary and counter to what is the will of God, what is the truth of of God. Wrong is right, right is wrong. We see all that around us. And it becomes difficult sometimes to be happy. 
But that doesn't mean we don't have the joy of Christ in us. We know for sure our eternal destiny and our eternal position in Christ. Even right now, the believer is redeemed, secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, declared righteous before Almighty God. Not because of what we can do, not because of our labor, because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. It's our privilege to labor that's not in vain. So we have a definite hope. We were singing songs today that went right with the message. Oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I didn't mark my Bible this morning, so it will take me just as long. We're just going to jump in at verse 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom above, among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. What's that naught? That's vain. The wisdom of the princes of this world, the wisdom of this world, it is vain. In verse 6, it says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Complete. Those who are declared for God because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who's perfect. Not in our behavior. Because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Our imaginations cannot even comprehend the amazing things that God has in store for us. And I don't think that means just our eternity. It certainly does. But I think things in store for us right now labor for him. And it's not in vain. The wisdom of God and the wisdom of men. In doing the, uh, a little research for this message, I came across a very interesting quote. Now, this, this quote is from a Father William Costco, who is a Roman Catholic priest. Okay, so there are many things we would thoroughly disagree with his position on a lot of stuff. But... I think he nailed 
this down really well as he proclaimed a problem that occurs in the religious leaders of our world today. And he says, he says this of the people who are supposed to be leading the people who are people of faith. So it kind of took me a little while to read this and to decide what was going on. But it's really good. The problem today is a lack of faith. Hmm. He's saying this of the religious leaders of the world. They have a problem, and that problem is a lack of faith. How could the are being ministered to have a, a successful uh, faith if they have a lack of faith. He, he addresses that. Moral relativism leads to following the spirit of the age instead of the Holy Spirit. Have we seen that going on in our world today? Have we seen that going on with the religious leaders of today. This uh, Roman Catholic priest sees that going on in his religion to a great extent. Moral relativism leads to the following the spirit of the age instead of the Holy Spirit. Where will we find the leading of the Holy Spirit? Many people will say, well, that's the feeling that he gives me as I make my decisions and things, right? He gives me, I disagree with that. Because when they say that, they're talking about emotions and emotionalism and things that are coming. You know, is that the wisdom of this age? Is that the wisdom of men? How do you know? Well, here's how we know. The Holy Spirit will lead us as we study God's Word. That's the only place you're going to find the truth. It's the only place you're going to find the truth absent and separate from the wisdom of this age. Back to the quote. Moral relativism leads to the following the spirit of the age instead of the Holy Spirit. They the religions care more about the wisdom of men rather than the wisdom of God. We just studied in our Sunday school class this about a blind man <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus healed during his earthly ministry. And the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, those, the Jews, it calls them, in charge of the synagogue, had issued a warning that anyone who claimed this Jesus as God was going to be kicked out. The fear of the blind man's parents of being kicked out of the synagogue kept them from any kind of testimony of what Jesus Christ had done for their blind son. 
The blind son, however, <clears throat> excuse me. And so when I speak a lot, I start losing my voice. Anyway, uh, the blind son, however, had a strong testimony and proclaimed Jesus to be God. He was not afraid. of the uh, repercussions going against the wisdom of men, he stood for the wisdom of God. The religious leaders of today and many other leaders of today who know better, they still care more about the wisdom of men than the wisdom of God. They stop talking about what is the truth because they care more about the wisdom of men. They see these things going on about them. And they forget about the truth of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Instead of... And they follow the wisdom of men. So they care more about the wisdom of men rather than the wisdom of God. Back to the quote. They should ask themselves, is this because wisdom comes from man? This wisdom of men, it comes from man who we know who is the author of that, goes back to the garden when Satan convinced Eve of the lies. So the wisdom of men really comes from Satan. Should, they should ask themselves, is this because wisdom comes from man who they can see and they perceive as real. But when it comes to this wisdom of God, well, I'm not, well, I'm really not so sure about him. That's the state of so many in this world today. They are so wound up in the things that they can see, that they can feel that science has told them over the years that they are willing to go that way of the wisdom of men instead of the wisdom of God because they are not really sure about him. It's a lack of faith. We've, lo we've looked at this before in Romans chapter 4. We're long about verse 20. We have the three P's of faith. And Abraham as the example, where Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. The three P's of faith, a very good definition. Are you fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform? Be ye steadfast, brethren, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. My faith is not some ethereal thing that just I get it from something. I get it from God's word, and I'm fully persuaded. He has proven it over and over and over. Allows me to be steadfast. We sang that Jesus stand. That is where I rest. That is why I can labor in the Lord, and it is not in vain. We are inundated these days by events all around the whole world that celebrate ideals counter to the truth of God's word. It's easy to become discouraged to the point of inaction if we dwell on the terrible actions mankind is proclaiming as good. I'm not saying stick our, hands, our heads in the sand and not pay attention to what's going on. I am saying that we cannot become so consumed by that which is without, by that man's wisdom, that it affects our ability to participate in this spiritual warfare in which we are involved. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us instructions concerning this armor of God. It's available to each of us as we study God's word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 10. Back when I was a kid, we watched cartoons. One of my favorites was Popeye. Mom said that when I was a little guy, I don't ever remember doing this, but I would eat a bite of spinach, and then I would go like this. Eat a bite of spinach. Well, here's a quote. Popeye must have been reading his Bible. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Where do we get our ability to labor and it's not in vain? By the grace of God, we are given it when we believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for my sin, for your sin, for every sin it was paid. The only price that Almighty God would accept for the world's sin was made when Jesus Christ died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. When we trust in that, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's not my labor for God that makes me what I am. I am. 
It is my position in the Lord Jesus Christ, my identity as a redeemed person in Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul proclaims, I labored more abundantly than they all. So some would say, oh, he's boasting. No, he goes on, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. We labor knowing that it's not our efforts that make it possible. When we witness to someone, it's not us making them believe. We are the ambassador to tell them what is this great news, this gospel of the grace of God. But it's not us making them to be saved. It's by the grace of God that we perform, the grace of God that it's made available to them. It is not vain. It is by the by. Almighty God, that we continue. In this 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, there is a problem that is addressed. The wisdom of man has raised its gnarly head and said that there is no resurrection of the dead. That's what this chapter is about. To, to address this problem. And the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, addresses this problem in this whole chapter, that without the resurrection of the dead, then Christ couldn't have been resurrected. Without that, we are hopeless. Let's look at verses 12 through 22. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Where is your hope? Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. We already know that our bounding work, labor in the Lord, is not in vain. If there would be no resurrection of Christ, then our preaching is vain. And where does it go from there? It says, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the raised the dead rise not. How could you can't how could it be both ways? If you have if you're believing that Jesus raised from the dead, but you're not believing in the resurrection of the dead, you're not being consistent. For if the dead raise not, verse 16, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. 
if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What a wonderful thing we know, a promise of God that we will be raised because of our identification with Christ. He is raised, we will be raised. Our, our uh, position as believers right now, we are seated in the heavenlies with God. Verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Our promise as a believer is tied up in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by his sacrifice. We are justified by his resurrection. As we concentrate on these things that we learn from God's word, we understand what is a definition of faith? That we're fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. We don't fall into the position of the religious leaders who don't have faith because they're not in God's word. They're depending on man's wisdom. We can labor and our labor is not in vain. We have an example of someone who was in dire circumstances, but in spite of what was going on, his labor was not in vain. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16. Very soon after the Apostle Paul really started preaching this matchless gospel of the grace of God in Acts chapter 16. Let's start at verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So who is in charge of this activity? Satan. Who is participating in it? The wisdom of men. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. Was, her, was Satan's intent good here? No. <laughs> and this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. 
And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the daler to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Not a good place to be. A very bad place to be. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was taken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all him and all that were in his house. Paul and Silas demonstrated the ability to Labor in the Lord, not in vain. Their faith was strong. <laughs> they were fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's able also to perform. Independent of their situation, they prayed and, their and they sang. They did the very things that they were in jail for. And it was not in vain. The jailer and, his, and all his house heard and believed. And they passed from death unto life. How much more can we, in this crazy day in which we live, which the, the agents of evil are seemingly in charge, how much more can we do in our daily lives? to proclaim that matchless gospel of the grace of God to those who are lost and dying. They need to know. They need to hear the truth because they are bombarded with the opposite of the truth every day as the world celebrates the lies of Satan. I invite you all, if you've never just simply believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. I invite you to do that just right now. There's no big ceremony. It's in your heart. What do you trust in for your salvation? Is it your labor? Our labor is important in the Lord as a believer, but it does not save. Only the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ saves. I invite you to do that today. Don't wait. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, for your mercy to us. 
We love you so much for your word. We uh, just can't wait for things to be shown to be true. But we're stuck here for a while, and things are crazy. So we, we uh, request that you give us strength to stay in your word, to keep our minds on those things that are positive. We understand, we know we are under attack. But our efforts must be through your word. The truth of your word is where victory lies. We praise your name for all you do. Pray for Faye and Rick as they will contemplate traveling home. Pray for safety for them. Just bless their time with their family. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.